0: Hello and welcome to the F1 Feeder Series podcast, your guide to keeping up to date on everything in the junior single-seater world. I'm your host, Jim Kimberley, and welcome to the jewel in the crown of Feeder Series podcast, as voted for by F1 Feeder Series founder, Floris Visman. This week, we're gonna dive into the Mediterranean coast to talk about everything Monaco, where Formula 2 and Freccia provided support to the Monaco Grand Prix. And to help me traverse my way through the events of a busy weekend in the Principality are a crack team of feeder series experts. First, let me introduce a driver who knows a thing or two about driving in Formula Regional and Formula 2. It's a 2020 Frec champion, Gianluca Petekov.
1: How are you doing today, Gianluca? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to, to be here again, talk a bit about everything. It's a world where I was very familiar with and it's good to see so many young guys making their way up again.
0: It's good to see so many young guys and girls have such an interest in you as well, Jean-Luc. You've been a very popular guy. We're going to get all sorts of questions in Ask F1FS later. And obviously, we'll talk about how your career is going before we get there. And also back for more podcast action to talk about racing around Monte Carlo, even though he just spent the weekend talking about racing around Monte Carlo. Hello, Chris McCarthy. Have we lost you to Tin Top Racing now? Uh, not quite.
2: No, I mean, yeah, it was uh, fantastic to do Porsche Super Cup uh, at the weekend. Uh, really enjoyed it. But uh, but yeah, very excited to be back with Freca uh, this weekend uh, at Paul Ricard. And uh, of course, great to see them out in Monaco. I think they, they put on a good show over there.
0: When do they not put on a good show? That many cars going around Monaco. It's always going to be fantastic to look at. I tell you what, the Fairmont hairpin angle was amazing. It was just was non-stop. Yes. With so many cars going around it. Really, really good. And last, but by no means least, it's a second appearance of F1 Feeder Series editor, Percy Wolfe. Welcome back to the podcast, Percy. And here alongside Chris McCarthy again, after he ditched Frecker, are you getting ready to take his old job? <laughs>
3: Hi, Jim. Hi, everyone. Uh, of course, I love to, but uh, I will surely not be as good as Chris, especially in English. But uh, if it's in French, I, I would be ready for it. But uh, <laughs> jokes aside, I'm really pleased to be back for another episode of uh, F1 Fiddle Series podcast. And uh, yeah, even though F2 and Freque didn't offer us action-packed races uh, with 1,000 overtaking per lap, so these were Pretty, pretty tense races with great implication in the standings and uh, and yeah many things to talk about so i can't wait to to start
0: no it's going to be so so impactful some of the things with championship extension championship lead extendings from some of the uh, the drivers at the top but before we get into it a quick reminder to like comment and subscribe if you're watching on youtube and if you're listening to the audio only version please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're using it really does help us out Let's get to it then. We have to start with Formula 2. It was an odd weekend of racing in Monaco for the drivers with a relatively dull sprint race, aside from Drogovic's curious pit strategy. But what can you tell us about how demanding it is to race around the Monte Carlo circuit in this car, Gianluca?
1: I'll tell you this, it is a tough, tough race independently if it's sprint or feature. I mean, it's a little bit different because when you get to Monaco, there's a lot going on uh, in the environment. You know, it's quite overwhelming, especially if you're there for the first time, like it was for me last year. Um, so not only do you have to get used to everything on track, but also focus on the work with everything going around. And when that very cliche saying uh, that Monaco is like riding a bike around your house, it's it it cannot get much truer than that it's uh it's really tight and in the penalty of how many hours you do in the sim and how many times you played it on the video game <laughs> when you head out on track is just completely different i mean uh and, and you need like big big balls, balls to push <laughs> to the limit yeah um like even the tunnel if you like i had it out for practice and the first couple laps like i had that little confidence lift on the tunnel because you, you know that if you, everything goes wrong, you're in the wall. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic circuit. And I think like any other, there's uh, you know, easier points and, and harder points, but you need to be very quick to adapt. That's why if you miss practice time or um, you're late to, to, to head out at some point, it's really crucial. And also, it's really tough physically because the, the car is just loaded with casters. So the steering is so heavy. Uh, like I remember the race last year, I was uh, like my my right arm was completely locked, like the muscles were completely locked, and I couldn't take my hand off the steering wheel to change of brake balance, like it was that bad. But it was a fantastic weekend and a great circuit.
0: Well, I don't want to boast, Gianluca, but one time on F1 2019, I did full damage on uh, on Monaco and did half race distance and only lost my front wing once. So clearly I've got a, a future in the sport after <laughs> hearing you talk about doing up the video game. It looks awful. And you're talking about the riding a bike around your house. I tried to do a... Well, rather British, I suppose, but uh, my own version of it in a report I was doing. And I said it'd be like driving your Ford Focus around Tesco inside of the the, sh- <laughs> the shop. Yeah. It just looks yeah. so ridiculously tight. Let's talk about the race this year a little bit. Then Dennis Hauger, he finally shook off all the bad luck he's been having this season for his first win in the series and even more than that which i can't believe i'm saying these words it's Premer's first win this year in f2 does that surprise you chris and how much will this mean for the norwegian driver who hasn't had the best of years so far
2: oh massively yeah i mean it was it was, it is a surprise that uh, when you look back at his results and you know what what he's done you know f3 champion that that he hadn't come in and had a win Uh, It was a bit of a surprise, but some drivers, uh, I'm sure Jan Luca will uh, know from experience of being on the grid with drivers. Some drivers just taking it, take a year maybe or a few races to, to, you know, find their feet in a car. I think the F2 car is probably extremely difficult to get used to. Uh, And things clearly in the team just weren't gelling correctly Uh, but I think he picked a good race to go and win right I mean Monaco is (laughs) is the best one Uh, if you're going to leave it a little bit late then Monaco is the best time to do it and uh, the confidence he's going to gain from that now is is going to see him getting on the podium several times I think so uh, for him and for the team this is going to make them just take a huge step forward but uh, I think F2 put on a really good show over the weekend. I, I thought they, they were two fantastic races. Uh, but uh, but yeah, for for Dennis, uh, that's going to be a very special win for him.
0: Daruvula also made it onto the podium. And when this, when I was doing the research before the podcast, I was thinking, Deruva's uh, De up there in P3 in the standings, although a ways off Drogovic, who's in a league of one, maybe two with poor share. But he stood on the podium as well, and the 1-2, let's shout out the 1-2 for Preber, Um, which last year I wouldn't have shouted out because I could have expected, but this year it seems like it's noteworthy. But he's not even took a, a win in the championship so far, starting in P3. Is it now or never for him at this point, this 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 season? Um,
2: perhaps. I mean, he's he's been fairly consistent, hasn't he, uh, to be up there in P3. He, he doesn't have to be winning all the time, but... Uh, He's knocking on the door all the time, isn't he? I think I think he's one of a few drivers that are going into kind of you know their third, second third season, uh, and yeah, for them this this is going to be the one where they they have to go and win the title. Uh, you know they won't want to stick around any longer. Yeah, Armstrong is is another one in that position, isn't he? Vips is another one in that position. So uh, so yeah, I think with the backing he has as well he's going to be having a a lot of pressure on his shoulders to go and perform particularly at Monaco I mean for any of the the Red Bull juniors that's the race where you you need to be performing that's you know for the Frecker drivers I mean more more so that was their first chance wasn't it to to race in front of the teams but uh, racing at the Monaco Grand Prix with the energy station there and things like that I I think that was a great chance for him but he got on the podium and he brought home great points so uh, I think he'll be very satisfied with that and he can take good confidence now going into backing.
0: Something we're going to talk about a little later, but we've seen with Lawson just how quickly the championship can turn around. So it might be a bit too early to write off anybody who would think Drogovic is the favourite. And we saw Drogovic struggling on Saturday. He won the feature race, solidly leads the championship, Percy. Porsche kept him honest in the feature race. Do you think... Sunday with Porsche versus Drogovic was more of a representation of how the season's going to go forwards with the two
3: of them striding ahead? Well, it's a good representation of the season so far because it was really uh, Sunday's race was really uh, Drogovic and Porsche and uh, what Jurevic finished uh, five seconds behind or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was really these two and the others. Uh, so at the moment, I would say Drogovic is clearly the best driver of the F two season. The most consistent, he has uh, scored in every round. And uh, even if a, in even if in a even in a complicated weekend like uh, like Monaco, he has managed to take some some points to his rival Theo Pourchaire, uh, who seemed a bit fastest on, on Sunday. He seemed a bit blocked by the by the streets uh, by the streets of Monaco. And uh, but when we compare uh, Porsche and Drogovic season, uh, Theo Porsche has had several mechanical failures that didn't have Drogovic. So, uh, Drogovic may have also his run of bad luck later during the year. Uh, Porsche already had this run of bad luck, and so I think uh, the championship battle is far to be over. Drogovic is a small and a lead of 30, 30 points. Uh, and uh, he has a great lead on Porsche and on the other drivers, but it's far to be finished. And we know that in F2 and in Fido series globally, uh, things can turn around really quickly it, just by mechanical failure, a, a lack of pace on, on a weekend, because we know MP Motorsport is not always used to be at the top. Mm. Uh, it's not like Prema or uh, ART, Carlin. Uh, MP is supposed to be a midfield team, but they are they are clearly in a higher category this year. And will they be able to keep this pace up during the whole season? Uh, I, I'm not sure of it. Uh, I hope for them, obviously, but. Uh, but yeah it would be interesting to see but everything in f2 can change very quickly maybe in two weeks we'll say that uh, that uh, Porsche is leading the championship or uh, suddenly we'll see that uh, oh finally Armstrong is a real title contender and well, everything can change so quickly so we don't know
0: no but that's why we watch it that's why we love it so much it's it's so unpredictable you mentioned lawson as well and he was one of the drivers who's doing so well in the championship at the start of the season but now somehow is sitting p8 in the standings he grabbed pole position and then that was taken away from him with the crazy qualifying that also featured jq's and quite a horror crash on friday is this a case jan luca of monaco just biting hard or do you think it's actually bad luck you do know sorry to bring it up you do know about crashing in uh, monte carlo after all
1: uh yeah it's if there's one track that uh these things might happen with a bit more ease is monaco and uh yeah unfortunately i i tasted it myself last year uh in the sprint race just ran a bit wide in the entry of the second swimming pole chicane and uh had a classic clip the curb and straight in the wall crash and i'll tell you uh, even though if you look from outside it looks like nothing it looks really slow and just just a really soft touch it, it shakes you a little bit cuz you you go straight in a, in the wall and there's nothing really to absorb the impact so i can just imagine what what Jake went through and must have been really a, not a great moment at all but um uh yeah i think that they're was going to happen cuz it's such a such a not odd, but like like a different weekend to, to others. Mm. The surroundings and and the track itself, so you can always see some some crazy stuff going on, uh, like we saw last year as well. Um, but I think if you look at the championship overall, it was uh, it was a bit of the same line that we had seen until now. Mm. You know, uh, Felipe and and share just a bit far ahead. But I think the the quality of the grid is. Is quite high. And I think we, we might see some some guys turning up to the title fight later in the year. That's what I hope for. Just a quick line on the Lawson side of things. And
0: so we were speaking just before the podcast started and explained just how it's the last couple of seconds of the lap. Could you understand? Like I, I don't I never saw I was in the steward's room, shock horror, but I, I never saw how much he lifted off, but he did lift off a little bit. But from Djokovic had crashed, last corner, is on the start-finish straight. How frustrating would it be for Lawson, knowing he'd be on a good lap, to have to lose that pole position, which would at Monaco, of all pole positions to lose, you're basically throwing away
1: the win, right? Oh, it must have been so frustrating. I mean, any pole position, and especially in Monaco, and, and such a, a little thing. I have lost a pole position before for um, improving my time on Yellow Flags and it, it it sucks, but in the end, it's it's the rules. And again, I don't know how much he lifted off. I think it would be it would be interesting to see the data and and how it happened, how it unfolded, and um how much time there was between Drugovich crashing and him, you know, coming down the straight. Um, but yeah, it's it's really tough. These rules, they're because they're not really they they're not a hundred percent clarified. So. You have to kind of judge it on your own there in a split second how much is going to be enough. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just extremely frustrating. I can just imagine it.
0: Also in action was Freca, of course, which means we have to turn our attention to a certain other Nordic country, uh, apart from Norway, that is. As Dino de continued his mighty run, how did the weekend go for Dynamite Dino Persing?
3: amazingly well he's uh, he's doing an amazing start of the season it's uh, it's even better that what what did Grégoire Saucy last year it's absolutely stellar I mean uh, in six races he got three wins three second places he has more than uh, more than 50 points uh, of advance in front of uh, Adrian David his nearest rival I mean it's it's incredible uh, to to see his uh, his progression compared to last year, where he finished thirteenth, something like that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we know he it hasn't clicked out last year for for some reason. It was also his rookie year at that time. And uh, for example, in Monaco last year, he was only seventeenth, and he had the he he had a DNF on the second race. And now he's he's on the top of the freque and. Uh, yeah, it's pretty remarkable given the density of the field and uh, and his opponents that are really experienced, that have that are entering their third season for some. It's it's incredible. And yeah, he was he's totally he looks unstoppable like Gregoire Souci was last year. Uh this time it's not a ART driver, but a Prema driver. So it's uh, it's changing a bit. And yeah, I can't wait to see if uh, if someone can really catch up with him. Um at the yeah the Paul Ricard we will talk about it later but at the Paul Ricard I think uh, things could be more balanced. We could see more drivers changing uh, Dino Begannovich and as a as a F1 fan, I, I hope I hope some, <laughs> someone will challenge him because it's not fun when one driver runs away with the title. it's we want some battle. we want some battle to the last race for the for the title.
0: Yeah, he's doing unbelievably at the moment. Um, you alluded to it a little bit there because we have another driver that surprisingly maybe made his first top-step appearance this weekend and also just a podium appearance in general, Hadrian David. Uh, we expected him to be a favourite for the title, Chris. Is that still the case? Can hmm. you turn it around from here?
2: Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, uh, the, let's be honest, the team haven't been at their team defensive you know they won the team's title last year they had a fantastic season Uh, the tracks haven't seemed to have suited them just yet Uh, Monaco was the track that they won at last year so going into this weekend uh, you know I did expect that one of their drivers was going to win if not two Uh, and it didn't surprise me when I saw Hadrian David go and get pole for his for the first race and go and win uh, in the fashion that he did. It was a fantastic performance. For him that will be a very special victory as well. Pretty much a, a second home race uh, and that's going to give him huge confidence but uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's a huge surprise. I, I really do think it's just uh, the order of the tracks have, have not fallen in their favour so far. I think as the season goes on now, we're going to come to some RHGP tracks uh, and that might give them a chance now to start catching up. So that's how we saw Freck. I'm sure Percy will, will agree with me last year. We, we saw Kramer towards the end of the season really catching up, but then, you know, we saw our RACE towards some of the start of the season really running away with things and ART uh, were sort of fighting towards the middle as well. So, uh yeah, it, it seems to be teams go better at different tracks and and Monaco was was definitely a great track for them.
0: Do you think maybe then and let's ask, let's ask the man himself. Do you think it's maybe Primer doing really well at the start of the season, knowing how things work? Because when it was your championship year, you got the vast majority of your wins at the start of the season. Is that just a Primer coming out of the block strong, Gianluca?
1: Um, I mean they're they're always strong in. And- the start of championships. I think we saw last year that uh, also they started really well. I think it was Vidal winning the first race of the year. And then it got a bit rough in the middle, but um, I think it's, it's a combination, you know, of course the team being prepared and also Dino himself uh, being able to stand out as uh, a great friend that I lived with him for, hmm. uh, for a couple of years there when, when he joined the Academy and it's good to see him, uh, you know, out there and and doing so well because I think from the beginning he was always very fast also in Formula 4 and now he's, uh, you know, everything clicked a little bit more and it's a strong field. You know, you have him, you have David, you have Bortoleto as well, which is also really quick and uh, it's, it's a really high level, but I think he's just been able to really stay so consistently um, at, at his best, you know? And I think that makes a large difference because in the beginning of the championship, if, if you're out there in front and you're you know you're having a strong season uh, it gives you confidence for the rest and also doesn't put you in a in a in a position of so much pressure to have to look for results every time because you cannot drop any more points so i think he's he's looking good Now we have to see into the end
0: he just has to maintain the consistency of one two finishes literally every weekend it's uh, that level of consistency <laughs> yeah. might win you a championship uh, speaking of one twos as well Percy, Haugue de Deruvley got that Prima one-two, but no Prima One-Two in Frecker. Paul Aaron had a weekend to forget, and I'm sure he'll be really desperate to forget it. Talk us through it.
3: Yeah, you, you said it, it was a nightmare weekend for, for Paul Aaron. So the 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 Mercedes protege uh, he is having a very difficult season so far. Uh and at Monaco, he got the worst—he uh, got the worst qualifying possible because he—he—he looks like he had a, a tap with the with a wall uh, be, before his first lap, and his suspension broke uh, at uh, at Mirabeau, and uh, yeah, he couldn't set a single lap. So he had to—he—he he didn't qualify for a race, and he he qualified for the second race uh, in 27th position or something like that, and. Uh, of course, in Monaco, you can't you can't do anything starting from from P27. So so yeah, no points. And uh, now he's 81 points behind Beganovich, his teammate, his teammate, his younger teammate, uh, who has one season uh, less of experience. Uh, I I know it's we are only three rounds out of ten in the season, but uh, his title hopes are a bit vanishing. I think because. Uh, I think, like Adrian David, a bit, it's, he must be very disa- disappointed to have missed out and F3 c with Prema. And this season must be complicated on a man- mental point of view uh, for, for him. And uh, yeah, hopefully he will get back to the top very soon. But yeah, we know he's a very fast driver. He has proved it many times uh, the, in the previous years. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit sad to see him uh, having all this bad luck, all this uh, all this lack of pace. He, he seemed to be as fast as Beganovic. and uh, yeah, as a driver, be beaten by his by, by a younger teammate. It's yeah, it's ne- it's never good, and so yeah, he'll have to bounce back quite quick. And uh, there's a Paul Ricard this weekend, so uh, it's a track he he knows quite well. So hopefully he'll be back and. Uh, he he has to be back now it's now or, or never for him
0: well, let's talk about Paul Ricard quickly because bouncing back quickly <laughs> it's going to be in Paul Ricard you were there uh, in pre-season as we spoke about last time what are you expecting for the actual race you now uh,
3: first of all I'm very glad to <laughs> to see Freke come back he, and the circuit Paul Ricard because We'll have track action. We'll have battles. We'll have overtakings, <laughs> and I'm at Monaco. I missed it a bit. I missed it a bit, and uh, yeah, I, I think it could be quite, uh, quite tight in front because ARTGP uh, should be quite well. Should be quite. Uh, should be at the front because Grégoire Saucy won both races last year. So Gabriel Mini should be at the top. Anyway, he's always near the top. So uh, I know he'll be challenging for the podiums. Hadrian uh, David took his maiden win last year because of a technical infringement from uh, Gregor Sossi. And I'm sure he will want to win it on a, in a in a proper way, if we can see like that. And uh, of course, Beganovich and, and Prema will, will, uh, will also be there. They were quite fast in the season testing. And on this track, uh, the, the most interesting drivers on the, at the Paul Ricard were Beganovich and Mini and uh, several others. It will depend if we, it might rain too. Well, we, it it may change during the week, but uh, uh, we could see some rain. So maybe uh, have a look to Massimo Capieto, who was incredible under the rain, uh, under the rain in testing. So, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see and i, I, I will make it, it's becoming a bit too easy to bet on Beganovich for the win so i'm trying something a bit risky. i think michael Belov could take his first win of the season uh, because he was absolutely flying last year with this uh, little team jD motorsport in in Porica. he got two second places two p two and uh, yeah i, I think he could take a win and uh, it could really launch his season as a title contender because we have, not, we have not seen him much. Always in the top five, the top four, and all that. And uh, I think he needs a first win to really, uh, truly really become a serious title contender.
0: Well, you're going to be talking about it, Chris, um, and you're going to have to skip ahead a little bit with this because uh, we could talk about Frecker and F2 all day. But we need to make sure Gianluca has got some things to talk about as well. But you only talk about it this week in Frecker, but you weren't talking Frecker. Last week that was George Morgan. One, did you yeah. listen to George's commentary? And two, how did your week go about with all of a sudden doing comms for Porsche?
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, it makes me really sad that it might rain at poor Ricard because we we had one wet race last year, like w- literally one at Spa. That was it. I mean, it rained really, really heavy. It rained enough for a whole season. But um, this year, it's rained every weekend. I mean, we bought the rain to Monaco <laughs> as well. Now it's going to rain at Poor Ricard. It's rained every weekend. I, when, I, when I leave England, I'm supposed to be going to nicer weather. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I think Percy made some really good calls. Just, quick, uh, just to touch on Freca quickly, uh, Hadrian David, remember, went from the pit lane to 10th. Uh, so overtaking is possible. Um, that was without push to pass. Michael Belov was very quick uh but this could be talking team's tracks maybe this could be an ART track who knows but uh of course uh, Dino Bagnaevitch is quite literally unstoppable and when <laughs> uh, when I speak to him at each round uh, the confidence he carries and how happy he is as well you, you know you, when you uh, speak John Luke will know all about this when when a driver is happy in a team and in a car they perform extremely well. Um, and, and that's what's making the difference quite literally. It's as simple as that this season, uh, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't actually get to listen, uh, because I was watching at F1 and, um, uh, we didn't actually have the. I was watching in the gallery, and there wasn't actually there wasn't any sound on. Mm. Um, so I, I did watch the races, but without sound, which was quite strange. I, I nearly just started commentating myself. It was very, <laughs> it was very <laughs> uh, it, it was it was very bizarre. It was very bizarre. Uh, but I, I I'm sure George is great at what he does. I'm sure he did a br- I did listen to qualifying. I uh, did a. Br- he did a brilliant job. So uh, yeah, well done to him. Uh, and yeah, yeah, obviously, I was doing Porsche for... Four f one which was yeah which was an amazing experience to to work for that
0: <laughs> I saw your social media posts talking about it, and presumably it wasn't as last minute as just being told can you come and do Porsches then a couple of days you had a bit of prep. how did you hear the news and then how did you manage to keep it to yourself for however many days or weeks that was
2: <laughs> um yeah i mean they uh the the team had uh, had reached out to me and uh you know mentioned that they might need a might need some help uh you know with a with a race um and and that's and that's how it all came about really it came about quite a, quite a while ago actually um and it was extremely hard obviously to, to hmm. keep to keep quiet so so yeah but um but you know thankfully the the team at Frecker were uh you know it I wanted to do both. I really did. Uh, but that, that wasn't possible unfortunately. But thankfully the team at Frecker were well, willing to let me to let me step away for the weekend uh and thanks to george for for stepping in for the, for the weekend but but yeah that's that's probably as much as i can say but um but yeah it, it was it was amazing and very very difficult to keep quiet
0: well i'm glad that you could be back because you're obviously great at what you do as well as great as uh, george was for stepping in but yeah, been yeah. doing it for a while, Chris, and yeah, we'll, we'll miss you if you if you walk away mid-season. Don't do that. Oh no, th- there's no, there's
2: there's no chance there. Don't worry, I'm back for the whole season now. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for it. Honestly, uh, it, it was it was really bizarre not not doing it. I have to say, it's probably like Jean-Luc. You have to miss a race, and you're watching on from the sidelines. It's yeah. it, it, it's it's really really strange. But um, but yeah, I can't wait to be back and be track side as well this weekend.
0: I'm going to jump on that segue, Chris, and let's talk about Gianluca because you're not racing in Freca or F2 at the moment. You're doing some stock cars, Brazilian stock cars. One, how's that going? And two, are you doing it all season?
1: So, yeah, it was a massive change from from everything that I've been doing the last few years, really, uh, up until last year, going down the Formula path. And then, uh, yeah, for couple of reasons that didn't that couldn't carry on and then there was there was this very last minute opportunity uh, the team called me because uh, usually every beginning of the year um, in the championship they do a uh, doubles doubles race uh, well like a, in, in pairs you know so every season driver invites a driver to race with him, and then they share the car for this first race. Uh, it's quite quite a nice event. Many big names from European GTs um, have, have done it. Uh, Felix da Costa won it already. So it's, it's a nice event. Uh, so I think it was it was about three weeks before the season opener. Uh, and the team called me. Full-time sports. Uh, it's also the team of uh, Rubens, Boricello, I've Tony heard of Panon. him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, you might have. You might have heard the name before, uh. So yeah, so the the team, the team manager Mauricio, he called me three weeks before, and I, I knew him by name because he's a big name in, in Brazilian, uh, racing, the Brazilian racing scene, right? Uh, Full Time is one of the biggest teams, you know, massive structure and everything, and of course, uh, having, having been the 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 home of Rubens and Starcar for many many years. So he called me and said, you know, I've, I have something that might be interesting for this first round. Why don't you come to the team? We can have lunch and then talk about it. And I thought, well, it might be an invite to be the, the pair of somebody for this first race. But then he actually mentioned that uh, Toyota, uh, they, have, well, they have a large racing program in South America, especially in Argentina uh, with uh, TC 2000 Series. And, and also in stock cars since 2020. And the driver of the, the Toyota-backed car in the team, Matias Rossi, he changed teams. So they, they had a, a car available, which was, would have been empty for the first round. <laughs> and he said, look, you can be a pair of somebody or you can be the lead driver of this car for the first round. Are you ready for it? I said yeah I've never done a GT race in my life. Everybody in the category is so experienced, you know, most of them are veterans. But yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Of course I'm ready. You know, you got to be ready. And then I got to say I'm ready and then I'm going to get ready afterwards. So that's what happened. Uh we did the first round in Interlagos. It was, it was great. Uh, really tough, but you know, great experience. Uh, the racing in this category is amazing. Cuz the I mean, if you look at the level of the drivers and uh, the competitiveness of the championship in general was so high. Uh, and then the races with strategy and it's just ridiculous. Like, so, so cool. So we did the first round and then there was a possibility of another, another round, we did that. And then we ended up, I ended up staying in the car for round three, which was, uh, in, in an airport in, in Rio that went really well finished P4 in one of the races. And then of course it boosted me to, to stay in the car for the fourth race, which was a couple of weeks ago. And then I'm gonna be in the car now for the fifth race, which is in the beginning of July. So this is like, it's, I'm, I'm just kind of staying, you know, I'm, I'm sticking around a little bit longer than, uh, than it was originally planned. But at one point I'm gonna step out uh, at least for a couple of races, but it's just great to have this, this first experience. And I'm just learning a lot. You know, my, my first year in, in touring cars, I had never done anything. You know, I, I had maybe tested a GT once before. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's just completely different, but really enjoyable. And something that in Europe, sometimes it's, it's so intense and so serious in, in feeder series that you, you don't get to truly enjoy that much. But now I'm, I'm just doing it a lot and having a great time. I'll tell you something, Jean-Luc, I could I could tell how much you're enjoying
0: it. It's going to be one of those stories that are like, oh, I did well and I got P4. P4, by the way, for going into a new car and then getting P4 within a few rounds. Well done. You'll be saying when we speak in six, 12 months, oh, then I did a couple more rounds and I won some, then I was doing Dino Viganovic getting podiums every week. Then I won five championships. It's going to be one of those stories. <laughs> I think at this rate, another person, which people, might yeah, so do, Well, we hope he will. Another person who people might not be, uh, who might not expect to know much about Brazilian stock cars is Chris McCarthy. And you're telling us that you've done some yes. comms for it already this year.
2: Yeah. I commentated on, on Jean-Luca. uh, uh, on the first, on a couple of rounds, I can't remember exactly which which one. I think it was rounds one and two. Um, so Interlagos was the first one I did, uh, and then the we were talking about this race. I can't remember the name of it escaped me, but it was a great. It was, the track was am- amazing. It was only two breaking points, and other than that, other than that, it's flat out everywhere. Um, and it it was the, one of the best races <laughs> I've ever commentated on. Uh, what was the What was the name of that track again? Jean uh, Luc Goyania. That's it. I mean, I, I couldn't pronounce it like that. I had to think of it. I had to have to get a different name for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, it, it was. It's honestly amazing. Uh, I love the championship. I think it's got a good mixture of people like Jean Luca who are. Uh, you know, a young, talented coming through, and then it's got Rubens Barrichello and people like that, uh, and and other legends. Uh, you know, I think to, to Tony Canan does it and stuff. It is some real crazy names uh, that that are in there. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was. It's a strange, strange championship, but in a very good way. Uh, I absolutely, I've really, really enjoyed it. But that was the best race. I mean, I'd recommend going back and watching that one on multiple TV. Uh, You'd really, really enjoy it, honestly.
0: I'll tell you something, the commentary is tip-top on that race. That's what I'll have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Jed, Luke, all seriousness, talking about single-seaters, you mentioned stepping out and me trying to be a bit of a journalist here is thinking, are you stepping out? Cause you know, something are single seaters in your future or is finance just always going to
1: be a big problem? I mean, you can never say never because looking back at what I was able to do through my, uh, four seasons there, you know, two years in F4, my year in regional and then a year in, in F2, a couple of races in Freca again. Um, it, there were good seasons. I was able to win a championship, get a vice championship in Italian F4, uh, achieve the forty super license points needed, which nowadays you know it's a big point for for junior drivers. That's what they uh, what they look for, you know, through the ranks. And uh, it's it's difficult to to kind of step away uh, after after so many years of of hard work and and chasing something. But not, of course, it's always going to be about the the, the financial side. Uh, I think it's it's natural. Of course, if if I had the money to buy myself a seat in F one, of course I would do it. You know, I uh, I think it's unfair to judge anybody who does it. At the end of the day, if, if if they're in a position to to be able to to make that happen, they always have to go for it. Uh, from my side, uh, my major sponsor dropped out for a couple of reasons and then we we're stuck in a, in a very tough position. Uh, one of the things that people, uh, I, I still see a lot of people stepping on is, Oh, why did he jump straight from, uh, from regional to F2? He should have done F three. Yes. That was always <laughs> the plan, but, uh, you know, financially we, we still couldn't make that happen. And then there was an opportunity to, to get a first ace in F2 instead. and you know, it was the only opportunity I had then it was, honestly a pretty good one you know to to make my f2 debut so i went for it um but yeah things didn't didn't work out well we kept you know fighting to try and and secure the budget again to, to get back on track but we couldn't make that happen and also on another note in the end of the day i have to look at my future as a professional racing driver that maybe it's not going to mean f1 but it might mean other great categories where i can professionalize myself and then grow from there uh you know quick example of stock cars now not only the category itself is a professional category that has great names but also it's going to give you great opportunity to achieve results here and then uh you know be seen by manufacturers in europe in asia in america and many other markets so uh it's it was a tough decision but I'm happy where i am right now and i'm enjoying this opportunity before looking to uh to make a comeback sometime soon so
0: just to clarify here because you're speaking like a wise old head here you're still a teenager right John Luca? because you're speaking here like the kind of person who is thinking of financial security 30 years away that's so insightful so right now you're looking at this as what can you do to make motorsports and driving cars your life right that's what that's what it sounds like that's yeah amazing. you're thinking of the future rather than yeah.
1: the dreams exactly and i mean i also want to be in the place where i'm you know i'm having fun and i'm i'm looking forward to race weekends because it's not that easy like in europe uh if you have a tough weekend everything is intense and serious and uh because you're you're together with people that are your age and have the exact same goal you know you're in the exact same moments of your career so uh it's really intense and it's not that easy to to really enjoy what you're doing there's always going to be pressure and responsibility and, and seriousness of course that's it's it's always going to be there no matter where you are but you, you still have to to take it in a, an enjoyable way in a pleasurable way uh, and i feel that um even even in the year that i won the championship it wasn't always like that mm-hmm for not only for myself but you know given the environment of inside the team or with other people around me so i i I decided that i want to i wanted to do something that was going to make me feel good about myself again and enjoy the race weekends and i feel that i found that now so it's it's awesome you know it's awesome again Oh, my heart is honestly <laughs> bursting out
0: of my chest when <clears throat> you're saying those sorts of things. And it's really weird that you're telling me that you're having a different experience with some driver who's done, what, 320-odd Formula 1 races and you two don't have that much <laughs> shared life experience. Weird, that. Percy, just a quick one great. from you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. You've watched Gianluca do so well. How much of a talent for anybody new to feed a series racing are we talking about here? You did tremendous in 2020, winning the Freck Championship, but how big of a talent is the single-seater world missing out on?
1: I mean... Uh, and
0: this is for Percy. I'm not
1: going to I, I'm not gonna get <laughs> you to blow
0: your own trumpet, Jad Luke, that would
1: be too awful. No, but um, I'm really fortunate to, to be able to look back and, and see, you know, fantastic results. Uh I think I was... So I've done the most F4 races ever for Prema. Uh, I, I think I won uh, probably eight or nine races, or maybe ten, giving uh, counting everything uh, between regional and F4, winning the regional championship, uh, vice champion in Italian F4, uh, part of the the FDA for for several years, and. Uh, not only the results, but building, you know, uh, trust and building great relationships with people from from many teams, from Driver Academy, and to, to look back and see, you know, sometimes just exchanging messages and see how much people, you know, appreciate a friendship and, and a call. It, that has a lot of value, you know, sometimes more than the results themselves. So I, I you know, I'm not much of a, uh reminiscer does that does yeah, that, no, that work yeah. want to reminisce reminisce yeah. 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 yeah but uh so it's not reminiscing and being stuck in the past but just looking back and being proud of what i was able to achieve so if now i'm able to you know uh take my my abilities and and showcase it somewhere else i'm happy with that too uh but of course it would have been fun to uh, to carry on in the path that i was that i was going for maybe stepping up to f3 in a top team and fighting for a championship as well uh together with you know the, the drivers that i was racing with and and seeing what they were doing and knowing that i could have been there too but it's it's cycles and uh it's good to see those guys doing well nowadays as well
0: hmm. percy anything to add on just how good um mr Petikoff was uh, back in uh, the, freck day, or the freck days no a at the end back then
3: yeah, Gianluca, you have gained uh, a fan. A, a fan. It's really so inspiring to hear you to have this really wise and mature point of view and uh, uh, about all the feeder series. About uh, you, you, you have been growing step by step, and it's and uh, you are focusing not only on, on the results, but yeah, uh, of also the 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 man the 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 man that you've become and it's and it's really interesting because it's a it's something that we don't talk a lot about uh, about in Fido series in racing in a general way so it's really really strong interesting and yeah obviously it's a it's to answer to the question it's a, it's a pity the, that we haven't seen Jan Luka true potential to all the ranks of Fido series of the Fido series ladder uh, he should be at least in uh, in F3 battling for the title with uh, Arthur Leclerc uh, that he he that he fought in uh, in 2019 Formula Regional, maybe already in, uh, in in Formula Two. I mean, we we know that Gianluca is incredibly talented, and uh, yeah, I, I hope all the best, all all the best for for the future of. Our, not only for stock car or pro series, but I, I think there's really a bright future because you you have some talents and uh, there's a bright future maybe in, in endurance, maybe in the GT. Uh, I don't know, but I, I'm sure your your performance are are noticed by some teams, by some constructors, and yeah, yeah. I wish you all the best and uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> One last thing on this as well because we've got a bucket load, let's call them, uh, of questions for both Chris and Gianluca. But one thing I want to ask before we move on to that is Marcus Armstrong now doing a bit better in Formula 2 this year. One in Imola, now got a podium in Monaco. I've got to ask the person who will know the answer or might know the answer to this question. Don't you think that having the pressure of a Ferrari academy overbearing on you can help or hinder with certain drivers. So we've seen Drogovic at the Why I ask this, senior compatriot Drogovic, no academy, no pressure from that, and he is just sailing away. Armstrong's shaken off the Ferrari shackles and is seeming to do a bit better this year than before. How do you read this?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's always going to be extra pressure and extra expectation put on you if you're part of a driver academy. Uh, you know, any German academy, not only Ferrari, but of course when you when you speak about Ferrari, you think of tradition, you think of you know um, a whole culture of professionalism and and it is true. you know it's it's like that because it is true when i I had uh, I, I was able to to understand that in in the very beginning when I joined the academy that wow, it it is really going to be this way. So I was able to cope with it and, and work with it through the years, of course, uh, it's uh, you always have to manage when you turn up to a weekend knowing that you know they expect you to win and do pole positions and and score a lot of points and win championships. So you have to to keep that in mind, but at the same time, uh, you have to know that they want your success. Uh, at the same time, there's there's the whole financial side of it that if it's not going your way or if something goes wrong, maybe it's not going to, uh, you know, it's not going to be so interesting for them to to keep pushing you if they cannot do it on their own. You know, that's a bit of what happened to me as soon as I was in a very tough position, it would have been unfair to, you know, to stay there and then maybe halfway through the season, turn up to them and say, look, I cannot walk on my own feet anymore. You know? So it's, it was a natural decision. Uh, Sometimes it's things work best when you're just doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when people, even meaning good, if they're at you all the time and trying to get you to, to approach weekends in a certain way, and it's kind of holding you back. Because you need to to be free and 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 drive a bit, bit more loose, you know. So it's working really well for Mark, as you see him doing great this season. Uh, very much in a title fight still. The championship is quite long, and it's good to see it. Uh, not not only as a driver, but also as a, as a friend, and like many others over there. Uh, but yeah, it's it will always be a a certain weight to be part of an academy and to deliver inside an academy, I was, I was fortunate to also you know say that I, I won a championship together with them. Uh, it was definitely not the easiest of years outside of the track also uh, due to the fact that I was going head to head with a not only a teammate but a driver academy mate as well. So uh, it was it was really tough and I, I wish one day I can explain all the details behind that season openly because it was it was interesting but uh so far it's gonna say yeah you never know things work differently for for different drivers
0: and to listen about this uh behind the scenes stuff just pay extra on our patreon page where Gianluca opens up on his 2020 (laughs) season no I'm not gonna do that Gianluca but yeah I'm uh, fascinated to hear about that in maybe a decade or two when it all comes out Right, we are going really long on this one, so I'm going to move on to the uh, the part of the podcast where we ask our audience to ask questions. So we're going to have Ask F1FS. If this is your first time watching or listening, you can get involved using the hashtag Ask F1FS on Twitter, joining our Discord and using the podcast questions channel, or simply commenting on our YouTube videos and asking whatever it is that's on your mind. We're going to go with a regular Ascarora, CM Parfait 16 who wants to say, hi, Gianluca, do you mind giving us your insights about the simulator that the FDA uses, the pluses of whether you are wondering if there is
1: something that could be improved there? So I am not the biggest expert about simulators. I've, I've never had one. And I, I mean, the same work that I've always done was always quite basic. Uh, but inside the FDA, they have um, they have just a, a small one uh, with uh, I think it's the Aceto course software, just the normal Fanatech wheel. It's it's not anything massive because usually you do the the big Sim work uh, at the teams where they have the you know the big screens and everything. Um, but I think it's just it's useful to keep you sharp. You know if you need to sit down. Put some laps in, get some some memory about the tracks. It's it's good. Uh, I don't think anybody is looking forward to, you know, arriving in Ferrari and doing like a full day sim like at the F1 team. That's not it's not the point. So I think it's it's good enough so far. I imagine it's the same still from from when I was there. I don't think it changed too much.
0: It's all perspective here, because if they told me I could go and play on their sim for a day, I'd be quite excited. So uh, it might be different for you drivers (laughs) who just want to be out on track. There's another question here from the Cruyff Turn. and wants to know how difficult was it for you to cope with the transition from karting in Brazil to doing so in Europe and handling the cultural shift?
1: Really tough. Uh, I think talking about cultural shift, that was the biggest difference. To really understand, everything was becoming more professional and and act accordingly to it. Uh, I, I had some you know so, some tough races when I switched to Europe, but uh, I think that's really when you build, uh you know the when you become tough because in Europe nobody has any mercy, uh, especially in Italian teams. Everybody's quite hard on you all the time. So, uh, if if you're able to see that as a as a good thing, hmm. is really is really important for the career.
0: Interesting culture there. That sounds like possibly cultures from different countries as well as just Europe as a whole, or cultures within a team. But I won't press you that much on it. I'd love to, but there's a awful lot of questions to go through. This one's for Chris from Charlie Parker via Discord. Wants to know, and you've spoken about it a little bit, but what was it like commentating on the Porsche Super Cup uh, Monaco? We spoke about being in uh, mm. Biggin Hill and the F1 stuff. And actually, I think yeah. we spoke about it before the podcast about going into Biggin Hill and hearing seeing about that. So, talk us through what it's like commentating and talk us through what it's like being at F1 HQ.
2: I mean, yeah, it was a surreal experience. Um, you know, that, that's been my dream ever since I started. You know, I've seen the pictures of the commentary box through you know the through Alex Brundle through Alex James you know, people like that who've commentated in there for years and and then being shown the commentary box for the first time was yeah was was a surreal experience after that. it was it was bizarre. But um it was I was completely blown away by the setup that they have there. Uh you have to remember that this is yeah this is F1. They're they're powering the the feed that goes out to billions of people basically uh so you can imagine the amount uh, of technology in, in one building—it's—it's uh, it's quite surreal. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed working with them. They're a fantastic team to work with. They're incredibly dedicated uh, to the sport, and uh, and I think that shows in the broadcast as well. Uh, and and Porsche was fun as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I think they have a great grid on it on it this year. A good mixture of uh, uh, some of the older drivers and some young drivers like Dorian Boccalacci who. Had great success in his single seaters as well. Uh and uh, they put on a good show. We had a good fight for second. They only do one race, so you you know, mate that that's quite brutal as well around Monaco. So one mistake and your weekend's over. Um, but uh but yeah, they, they put on a good show. Dorian did well in second to to hold off a lot of pressure from behind and and Larry Tenford uh, absolutely blitzed it and, and won by about five seconds. But um, but yeah, they're Getting a chance to work with a dream, work with it with the dream, work with the team was uh, was a real dream come true for me.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Charles Leclerc is well aware of one mistake uh, Monaco and in one race, yes. he all turned upside down. Bless him. Yes, um, yes, yes. Let's move on with this one from Law Monaco Redemption, aka Silent Meals on Twitter. Uh, interesting name. Wants to know, somewhat similar, but also different, because it's focusing on the racer here, Gianluca. What are the biggest differences between being a racer in Europe and being a racer in Brazil? So less of the culture, I guess, and more about the actual being on track.
1: Um, I mean, it's completely different categories, you know, completely different styles of racing. But um, uh, speaking a little bit more about going from the formulas to to stock cars, uh, the racing is just crazy, you know, it's just, it's just awesome. There's lots of action all the time and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition because everybody knows each other and they're quite close and there's a lot of banter during the weekend as well. So uh, when you go out on track, it's still, you know, serious and professional when you have expectations from the team from the sponsors but uh, you get to I don't know it's just you get to do it in a in a smoother way you know you don't have to be so so tense and so serious all the time you get to to, to, to enjoy it and and the weekend goes by in a in a good way um, but I think in terms of the out of the track experience with the team, the engineers, the uh, the work we do through the weekend is not that different. You know, we're still in the same line of analyzing and and meetings and trying to figure out best way to move forward. But um, I think the weekends. I mean, it's it's Brazil. You know, Brazil. We're we're about you know the uh, I don't know. People are really up and, and excited and and warm and I think that translates a bit to the racing scene as well.
0: I will have to say, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, one of my first experiences going to a track, went to Formula One, was uh, 2005 Silverstone. Uh, One of my biggest memories is the Brazilian contingent, Massa, as it was, who were on Stowe Corner. We're British, we do things very prim and proper, stiff upper lip you guys were having a samba party the entire time. You could, Aside from the fact that the cars had the proper engines in them, it was really freaking loud. You could always know because it moved around the road, around the track apart from Sunday where the Brazilians were. So I, I get the idea of the, making sure you have a good time uh, after my experience there. There's another question just kind of talking about um, Brazil. Giovanni Padova on Twitter wants to know: Is there any perspective on going into any other series like DTM, WEC, or are you
1: happy in stock car? Um, so I'm putting a focus on on stock cars right now. Uh, of course, I'm making my my first races in the series, so I have to build up results, uh, build up you know uh, the the comfort with with the style of racing in touring cars. But of course, I have the interest of exploring. These kind of races in the future as well. Uh, DTM is a category that I've always, I've always loved watching, and it was one of my favorites. Um, even now, with with the GT three regulations, instead of the those mega cars that that were racing up until a few years ago, I think it's still interesting. I have a friend racing there, uh, Fraga Felipe Fraga, oh. uh, which also came from stock cars. He was the hmm. champion in twenty sixteen, and now he's he's there. So it's it's of course. Uh, something interesting for the future. But I think as of now, I'll put the focus here and, and try and make my way up a little bit.
0: Very mature answer again. You can focus on what team's gonna pay you money in the future, that's what it sounds like. Uh, very, very clever. <laughs> this one's from some fella called Percy on a Discord. Did you already follow Porsche Super Cup or did you have to discover everything, the drivers, the weekend format, etc.?
3: What a great question.
2: Yeah, it's an amazing question. Um, wow, that's thrown me off completely. Um, no, I mean, yeah, no, I'd loose, I'd loosely followed it. Uh, you know, as a championship, it's supporting F one. I, you know, I'd I'd always followed it a, a little bit. So I I hadn't had to go and completely learn something new, uh, like I had to with stock with stock for example, that because that's a completely unique championship as jan Lucas talked about, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I love it now, but, but yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite a lot to learn there. Um, but uh, no, I, I've, I've loosely followed it for a long, long time. So I, I you know, the, the cars, I, I know about the cars from doing in, uh, the, the old endurance race here and there. Uh, it's the same spec car they use in all the Porsche championships. Uh, and there's a lot of familiar drivers in there as well from some, from single seaters uh, in the past. so uh, so yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too bad in, in that sense, but um, but yeah, it was it was good to it was good to do it because I've watched it plenty of times, particularly last season. I watched it quite
0: a lot. So were you just cramming in the couple of days before though? Do is this normal stuff for you guys as commentators that you're doing your research in the in the weekdays?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing research, you know, every day this week for things I've got coming up this weekend, obviously for Frecker this weekend, and then for stuff I've got coming up. Uh, next weekend uh, and possibly the weekend after as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I like to try and do a, a good few days, uh, four or five days, I'd say, uh, depending on the event. You know, if I'm doing the championship for the first time, uh, I like to spend a, a good four or five days uh, to, to get everything in, to, to learn about the drivers if it's completely new drivers uh, and the championship as well. So, but yeah, weekdays is basically sat at the computer learning learning championships
0: so in my eyes would you guys just appear on my television just speak for an hour that's not the job you're not just working for them for the oh, one hour. Right? oh no
2: oh no you don't you don't just I mean you can do it if you want you can you can just try and wing it but um but yeah I, I wouldn't recommend it but uh, I made a spotters guy for it as well so I could tell who who was who um because uh because yeah uh, I, I enjoyed doing doing those as well so
0: Long may it continue, Mr. McCarthy. Got a couple more questions to go through. This one's from Bernie Eccleston's Eccleston's Gun via Discord. Who wants to know, Gianluca, after winning Freck 2020, did Prima offer you an FIA F3
1: seat? It was all about, uh, again, about the budget. You know, of course, if I had the budget in hands, there would have been the opportunity to to step up with them. But from from quite early on in the season, we had an issue with that, you know, with securing the budget to even finish the season in Freca. So, of course, for the following season, it would have been uh, quite hard given the the budget for F3, especially in the team with Premo is mm. it's quite, quite large. So uh, another thing that I, I heard a lot back at the time uh, and then I still hear today is that somehow, somebody assumed or, or thought that Prema was, uh, had promised a seat in F3 for the regional champion, but that's, that's if the driver has the budget with him, then of course they'll make everything to, to help him step up, but they, they were not gonna gift a seat to anybody you know so that's i think what people misunderstood a little bit um so if i had the budget in my hands i would have probably mm. stepped up with that yeah, um,
2: yeah to back that, i mean it's about i think there's a couple of drivers in regional last year that would or should be an f3 this year but um but there, there's a reason why they're not and it's the same reason Shan luca isn't well didn't wasn't able to stay in f2 so um yeah it's get, seats do not get gifted they are uh, they are they're hard to get for a start, but they're, they're also very expensive.
0: Very, very expensive. Uh, some knowing nods for the benefit of those listening rather than watching. You've touched on the first part of this question from Fosser King via Discord here, Gianluca, who asked, did, do you see yourself staying in stock car Brazil for the foreseeable future? But the second part's a bit more interesting. In addition, would you recommend the series to other young Brazilian drivers in Europe?
1: Um, well, of course, now focusing a little bit more on on touring cars, uh, I have, maybe I can speak a bit more, uh, how how would I put it on a bit more neutral way Hmm. to these guys talking about Europe. Uh, well, there was a, there was a really good step made for young drivers in Brazil, uh, recently, which was the creation of the. Brazilian F4 Championship, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm, I'm following closely, also because my team is participating in it. So that was it's really important to have this this base, you know, at least for the drivers to get a good experience and get a, a season full of racing in in top material, you know, in, in the same cars that they use in in Italy, in Germany, you know, all of those top championships uh, so to have to have a certain base, so then they can move to Europe and then deal with everything else um but i mean going to europe you have you have a couple of, of ways you know have a couple of paths if you're going formulas of course it's it's f4 and then you look at the the championships that had always been the the top f4 series italy and and germany uh, now also spain is growing quite a lot i see yeah. um but it yeah it's all about what, what the guys want to achieve and what, what their final goal is. If it's Formula 1, then there's kind of really limited paths that you can take to get there. It's all kind of the same the same letter. Um, but I really hope that Brazil is able to collectively push more drivers up because if you see, we, we do have the potential. We have a Brazilian leading F2 now uh, with a good shot at, at being involved in talks to go to F2 next year so we really hope to, to see more of them coming up
0: yeah going for a bit of a i don't know what the right word is but a bit of a resurgence with some of the the brazilians who are making their way through the the championship at the moment whether that turns into an f1 drive remains to be seen the last two questions uh, <laughs> this one is gonna be awkward for me to ask this one this one's for you chris Will oh, you no. ever bother? This is from Carsten Jackson, Jack Crawford. I don't believe it's the Jack Crawford, but maybe not. I don't know. Will no, you ever okay. bother learning the pronunciation of I can't say it now, because what if I say it wrong, of the current Frecker Championship leader, or will you continue saying Beganovic? Vic. That's that's a question.
2: Beganovic? Vic?
0: That's what that's uh. what I've got. I've got ask what the people are asking.
2: Oh, I didn't know I said it that way. <laughs> I, I, I Actually, I'll say it like that now. Yeah, there just, we
0: go. Just to widen the bar.
2: <laughs> I'll say it, I'll say that like, I began began a Vic. Uh, yeah, I'll say it like that now. How about that? It also seriousness so, this weekend.
0: I've heard I was listening to uh multiple commentators. Obviously we've had multiple commentators during Freck, yeah, Frecker, um Formula Regional Asia as well. hmm We've had it with Deruva a little bit. we I had Deruvala, 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 and Beganovic, Beganovic, Dynamo, Dino. Like, do you have to, as know. a commentator, go and say to these drivers, how do I say your name?
2: Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I go around and ask. There was plenty of Formula Regional drivers this year, uh, which I, I went and checked. Uh, a lot of these guys, I know, from, I know Dino from karting. I met him in 2018 um, when he was racing in karts for Ward Racing um so uh so yeah i've known him for years uh but uh but yeah i i go i go around to the to the garages and and make sure that i'm saying their names correctly and then i cross i actually what i do is i cross their name out on my entry list and rewrite it as i'm (laughs) going to pronounce it and generally that's what i do and i have to do it with porsche with porsche you see and this is a tip for if anyone actually is listening and wants to be a commentator um if you're if you're not going to be at the track and you can't ask them find an interview with them where they introduce themselves uh and then you'll know how to pronounce their name properly and that's the other way i find out
0: well there you go some behind the scenes info again i love this sort of stuff there you go one final question on a podcast which has gone rather long but it's we've, we've had fun podcasts we've had um explaining podcast i'd call this an inspirational podcast listing some of the things of <laughs> your mouth Gianluca. so you can leave us with the inspirational question or the inspirational advice off the back of this question from origit 7 via discord how was the experience of leaving brazil at, at such a young age and what advice would you give yourself if you were going to do it again
1: wow that's that's a perfect cue for me to end it on a very philosophical way Uh, No, keep it simple. It was, it was hard, of course, having to, you know, to, to go away from, from family, from friends, uh, from everything that I was used to. And then uh, it, it was, everything happened really quickly. So I had a year of, of racing in Europe, full time, pretty much in karts in 2017, and then straight away joining FDA and then moving to Marnello, completely alone. Uh, even though, you know, I had all the drivers there, but most of the time I was I was alone and dealing with things on my own. Um, one thing that helped me a lot was that I have always been really, um, really no. Uh, detached. No, unattached. Detached, yeah, there we go. English is fading. <laughs> uh, not, not at all. I have always been really, <laughs> I have always been really detached from uh from family or friends in a way. Like it, it was never that tough for me to spend a large amount of time away from them. Of course it's different when you when you compromise to to moving to a new country alone. It it, it hits you a little bit different, but it was not the hardest part for me. Um but only adapting to, to the new culture. But at the same time if I had to give myself and advice, um, or a couple of advices, to, to really make sure that uh, that everything went went well. Was uh, always put myself first, not in a selfish way, but just make sure that you do what's what's good for yourself. You know, don't uh, don't be afraid of going in a different direction to other people uh, and putting yourself in a compromising situation you know make sure that what you do is uh is is giving the best situation to or the best outlook to yourself um this one i mentioned a few times already but make sure you enjoy because if you're doing something that you're not enjoying and this i heard a lot of people tell me this back in the day but i took some time to truly understand it it's not that you're always going to be having fun with everything it's not about that but even the the hard days or the sacrifices they need to be done because because it means a lot to you and because you're doing it because you like it. Um, I think I've I've always enjoyed everything that I've done, but small things small. Uh, small obstacles in the middle of the way could have been avoided if if I took this more seriously. And lastly, um, just don't wish you had done it again. You know, don't, don't turn things into automatic. Make sure you, you go through every weekend and every test day. uh, Just, just really aware of of what's going on uh, so that later on you don't wish you had done it again. And that's something that I'm, I'm glad to look back and, uh, and say, you know, I, I, I don't have any, regrets or uh I don't wish I had done anything over again so I think yeah that's a good pillar of advice for younger Gianluca and Hmm. yeah that's that's it
0: I'll tell you something Gianluca I remember when Jensen Button retired and people asked him like how do you feel about retirement and he gave this answer which really sticks with me he just said
1: the journey is the reward
0: no but that's a really good one he just said don't feel sorry for me like he's had a good time he doesn't want anybody to feel bad for him and that's exactly how I feel I've changed from the start of this podcast to the end that poor who never quite made it the money was problem he was going to do so well and then all these things I hope I'm speaking for our two guests two other guests and our listeners and watchers here but I have no I wish you'd done better I wish it well I wish you'd done better I wish you'd made it further than you could have but wow! do I not feel sorry for you you are in such a good place in your life that I have no doubts you're going to be going on to such great things in the future so yeah I'm gonna have to say thank you I'd have to do one final shout out before I go for the outro which is just to previous guests Logan Hannah and Alex Dunn who both took wins in GB4 and British F4 respectively Logan got her first win in the championship and Alex Can't stop winning in uh, British F4 and Italian F4, and that sits atop of both of those championships. So, just wanted to shout those out. At the moment, I have to say that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And if you'd like to have your question asked in a future episode, use the hashtag AskF1FS on Twitter. Drop any questions below if you're watching on YouTube, or let us know what questions you have on your mind on our Discord. Look for the podcast questions channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, dropping a like on the video, leaving a comment and subscribing to the channel, all really helps us out. And if you're listening, leaving a review on the podcast platform you're listening on is greatly appreciated. Finally, check out F1feederseries.com for more feeder series insight and follow F1 Series 1, F1FS Americas and F1FS Live on Twitter. You can find the links to all of that, plus the Twitter accounts for myself and everyone else in the podcast in the YouTube description or the podcast show notes. We're going to be taking a one-week break next week, but there will be a video on YouTube, which is some parts of our interview with Luca Giotto, which sadly we had to cut. And there are some great bits of insight from his F2 days and his memories of his Formula 2 campaign. But until next time, we have been the F1 PD Series podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>